and welcome one, welcome all to another edition of the Geek Alert. It's been a while since we've recorded, and we apologize for that, but you know what? Sometimes you get busy. We're going to bring you today a very extra special show. I'm uh, joined, of course, by the always amazing Baron of B-Movies and... Scott? Scott, say your name. Yeah, that's your, that's that's your introduction. Name, right? It is, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, it's good to know that I have an introduction. You do? Hi, I'm Scott. I've been here for years. Years? Yeah, okay. Wow. It's going to be that kind of a day with you, then. All these flavors today for, for podcasting, and Scotty chose salty. Um, and we're joined by two very, I would actually say very prestigious guests, to say the least. We have, uh, to my left here, Mr. Phil Spaulding, a fine horror artist. Say hello, Phil, to all the Thank lovely you. folks. Hello. And we're also joined by, well, you're, gosh, you've got quite the resume, Mr. Fangoria feature. Oh. <laughs> and Joe Oliver. Try to do what I can. And, you know, I... You do plenty. Now, if those who didn't see Joe Oliver's work before, he actually did have a lovely piece that I do believe you own now, Mr. Scott. I do. That was uh, featured in, was it the, was it just a grand, I'm trying to remember now, was it just like a grand 30th anniversary piece on Return of the Living Dead that they oh, featured that uh, in? Or? They were doing a uh, specialty screening, like a VHS screening, so they brought Linnea Quigley down and wanted a uh, poster. I believe it was for the 30, 30 year? I think so. Uh, yeah, right. sounds about right. Yeah, because it was last mile high. Yeah. So 85, yeah, that was 30 year. There we go. That was easy enough. But with that in mind, it's uh, it's it's near Thanksgiving, and nothing celebrates the holidays <laughs> better than a grand discussion of the horror genre, because why not? Um, and, and you two gentlemen, as I'm, to understand our grand horror aficionados, um, with that in mind, we're going to start with our guest today and get an idea of what really got you guys into horror as a whole. Like, what is it you guys love? Or, yeah, what got you started in loving it? And we'll start with Joe. Oh, um, uh, comics and heavy metal as a kid, the magazine, like the stuff I shouldn't have been looking at, like <laughs> boots yeah. and blood and cursing and showed me what, uh, other comics were out there and what they could do. And then, um, my aunt worked at a video store when those were still in existence. Um, and whenever they'd retire the VHS movies, she'd bring home like trash bags full and like watch them and then toss them and digging through looking for like movies I shouldn't be like watching. I uh, started noticing that I, I could tell what was a horror movie based on the font. And so I started picking out all the horror movies and saving them. And that's how I saw return for the first time and phantasm, uh, night of living dead. And of course they were like, VHS, poor quality anyway, but then these were like the retired ones, so they were even fuzzier. And so, yeah, it wasn't until years later until I saw the, a nice version of Evil Dead. But, uh, yeah, that's what got me started. That's actually awesome. And I remember they all had the Dripping Blood titles. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I remember that now. Because Sharp font or like... Yeah, something that just terrified you to see. Um, yeah, and that's actually cool because... I miss video stores. It just took me way back. Oh, I love it, man. To my childhood as well. <laughs> Phil, what got you into horror? Uh, you know, there's. I think there's a lot of different things. Um, I think, uh, you know, Alfred Hitchcock, I think, was one of the big ones. Um, you know, and I know you can classify that more as suspense and things like that, but he really revolutionized how films were, were shot, how they were done. Um, you know, he really let your mind kind of play the part. You know, you, you could see things a lot um, more gory 
than what he could show you. So I think it, it kind of started with him, but then it goes back to, you know, kind of all the classics, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday the 13th, um, even Jaws, the way that Jaws was shot and still can't get in the water because of those, you know, watching that when I wasn't supposed to from the corner <laughs> of, of my, my parents' living room. They're like, you can't watch this, you can't watch this. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to sneak out and I'm going to watch it. And So I remember seeing Jaws and just... I, I couldn't get in a swimming pool because that little drain at the bottom, I knew a shark could probably fit through there. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it really goes back to a lot of different things. But I think Hitchcock was really kind of one of those things. Hitchcock and Rod Serling from The Twilight Zone um, really got me interested in, in kind of, you know, the horror genre and, and things, which is, you know, the horror, horror genre is like saying, like, rock for music. It's It encompasses so many different things, so... So I think those are really the main things. What about you, Scotty? What got you into the genre? Because you and I have been sharing our love of it for as long as I've known you. But I, I don't think I really watched that much horror movies before we met. You you kind of introduced me to the zombie portion of it. With the uh, George Romero, Night of Living Dead, Return. Good choices. All those ones. Yeah. That's all your fault that I like those movies now. <laughs> um, Hold on. I, I really think my... Love of the genre came from just the basic movie, The Shining. Um, it wasn't, I'm going to go run and hide under my bed. It's, what the hell is going on in this freaky hotel that there's nobody in that's turned somebody completely mad to want to kill them, kill his family? I, I actually watched it again last night, and I, I miss Scatman, because he it's was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's that's basically what kind of got it started in my mind. Uh, it was more of you know, trying to find something more of a psychological scare than just all the blood and guts, even though there was plenty of blood coming out of the elevator. Just a smidge. Just a little bit. And then, you know, as I've kind of gone on with the site, I've done a lot of B-movie, B-movie reviews, and those are mainly horror movies because horror movies don't get a budget these days. Well, I guess it depends. If you're Brad Pitt... You get $80 million for a zombie flake. Well, even when they do get a budget, they're not that good anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you're trying yeah. to make them for the masses, PG-13, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to start putting things in there that will actually frighten people. And it's the same repetitive things all the time anymore. Well, I, I don't prefer the B movies anymore. Yeah, the B movies you know, are they're, they're, they're At least they're creative. Yeah, they're creative. They're yeah, original. They right. It's, it's a different voice. idea. Right, they still yeah. have the voice. Yeah. yeah. Which is what I like about them. Well, there's nothing wrong with me, and I'm glad actually that the market is almost surging at this point. When you look at, um, well, maybe not Netflix yet, because <laughs> I know someone in this room didn't really enjoy all the pretty. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. Did you Did you watch that movie? I uh, I understand why you didn't enjoy it okay. because just, sure. um, just getting screen captures and watching ten minutes of it. It was. Uh, I guess the horrifying part was how slow it was. Which one is this? Uh, I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. It's a Netflix. Is it a, I it's it's an original, original, or they bought it off of somebody at a festival? But it's supposed to be a spooky ghost story, and it's just, uh, truthfully speaking, if I just took paint and put it on this table right now and watched it dry, it'd be far oh, more yeah. friendly than <laughs> that movie was. There's a lot of mugging for the camera. There's a lot of like staring around the corner. It's bad. It's so bad. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. But we'll get to bad stuff in a minute, I guess, before we... We're getting excited here and jump. Oh, we can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can get to the bad stuff. Yeah, we're, gonna, oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to have a discussion on that tonight, for sure. Uh, you know, for me, it was um, it was George Romero through and through. It's just the posters in the room can't clue anybody in. Um, for those of you... Actually, that probably wouldn't clue in the audience at home, but I have George Romero posters all over the house. Just I was because, about to say, do they know? Like, yeah. Like, no, we're not doing a live webcam broadcast tonight. Sorry. Um, he was just... You know, the first movie I actually I ever saw from horror was Dawn of the Dead. Um, I saw it in its entirety when I was 11. You can judge my mother all you want another time. Um, but it scared the piss out of me. I, I was That was in the middle of summer when the windows are open and you hear things outside and you curl up in a ball and pray to God that it's not a zombie. Um, and that stuck with me forever. It's just amazing the work he did with Dawn. Um, revisiting it years later when I wasn't afraid of it and able to actually appreciate it. Oh wow, what a movie that turned out to be! So for me, it was always always Romero's work, and as you can see, I spread the word mm-hmm. to everyone that I can. So <laughs> Dude, those, those bites still look awesome. Oh my god, Tom Savini's work! Yeah, um, just juicy, like yeah. There's just paint filled, and like ugh. yeah. I don't know the man. I know he said he saw a lot of his work in Vietnam, but I don't know where he saw biting in Vietnam. I don't want to know. Actually, let's just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, it's just some of the finest, some of the finest gore you'll ever find. Um, I guess with that in mind, we should probably talk about some of our, that's my all-time favorite film of ever, and that's also my all-time favorite horror film. What are some of, uh, what are some of yours? We'll start with Sam, Sam Warder, we'll start with Joe. What's the one that you love the most out of all? Oh, if you man. can pick, I know that's a tough question sometimes. It's, it's, it's always changing, but I think the ones that I, I come back to are, uh, The Thing, John, yeah. John Carpenter's, um, I, I love practical effects, and... That one's got so many different, like, designs in it. Um, yeah, I, I find myself coming back to that one a lot. American World in London. Um, the one that scared me as a kid was uh, Exorcist. And I think it had to do with, uh, one, this, like, unknown aspect, like, and the whole, like, religious aspect. So anybody that's dealt with religion, like, has that you know, deep-seated fear. Uh, I'm not religious now, but, you know, as a kid, you don't know any better. And <laughs> Demons. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's it's funny how well that movie still manages to terrify, because I saw it re-released in theaters in 2000, I think it was, um, with a gal that I was dating at the time that had never seen it before. And oh, that's awesome. Everyone in the room or in the theater had clearly not seen it before. Um, <laughs> and at first, it's all, oh, this is stupid. They're chucking popcorn at the screen, and this is silly. And we get to the part where Reagan's flopping back and forth on the bed. And they're like, yeah. oh, this is funny. Then she does the throat thing, and it became uncomfortable laughter. Like, I think I should laugh at this, but something's wrong. Last chuckle I heard the entire two hours of the movie. In fact, you could feel the temperature rising in the third act. As That's they're doing awesome. the actual exorcism, nobody was clutched up tight. My girl was grabbing my arm, and it was just... <laughs> that's a good day. That, the power of that movie, to this day, is just incredible, oh, to she, say the least. When she does the crab walk in the oh, stairs, oh, God, I still yeah. have, like... Yeah. I can still, like, see that, you know, in my head. And, and I saw it when it was re-released, too. My wife took me to yeah. it. She made me go to it, to be honest. Because that movie still scares me. It's, it's one of those movies that I know everything that's coming. I know what's going to happen. But it still has that ability to induce that fight or flight in me like i fear that movie just because of that crab walk on the, on the stairs yeah, yeah that, that that still that still messes me up i don't know you know it's one of those things i think but the fact that it can still mess you up speaks to its 
just speak to the quality through right. and through. Like there's yeah, nothing that totally. says yeah great in that. Is that is that your is that your personal favorite or is that just one that terrifies you to the bone? I, I think that one terrifies me. My favorites, um, you know, I mean, I, I I always like the classics. I like Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, uh, the first Friday the Thirteenth. You know, which it's so I think was good because you know Jason wasn't the killer in that one. Mm-hmm. So it's you know I like that kind of you know this this vengeful mom type thing. But I think right now I think one of my favorites um, is Trick or Treat. I think it's it's well done. There's all these different stories that kind of connect and and kind of brings back what Halloween really signifies and and really plays on so many different you know levels and so many different genres in that movie and i just think it was really well done so um i think that's probably one of my favorites right now good call that was like an instant classic when it came out too like it it does encompass like all the feelings of what you want out of halloween right yeah and i think that's it. it you know they didn't release it in theaters they released it outside of theaters and it was kind of one of those cult followings that once people started seeing it, just built and built and built. And built. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's one that actually kind of runs a circle. Like every mm-hmm. couple of years, I hear about it. Have you ever seen the trick or treat? I'm like, yeah. Did you just, I mean, and then you, you have to get there. Like, <laughs> you don't want to be condescending. Like, how did you just now hear about this? But because mm-hmm. you're glad it did. But it seems like that every couple of years, it, it goes off the radar, and all of a sudden there's a surge. Or it's like Facebook memes, and like, oh, I saw that five months ago, but it's back. Um, but it's a good thing because yeah, it's a disturbing little film to say the yes. least. Um, what about you, Scotty? What are some of your favorites? Well, see, for me, it's hard to really bring out favorites that everybody else hasn't said, just because, I mean, you have the classics that everybody goes back to. Like, my personal favorite is The Shining. It will always be The Shining. Nothing's going to top that movie in my book. But when I'm doing, you know, watching 30, 40 movies a month, I try to find something that's new, something that brings something different to the screen for the viewers. So, you know, if I was going to pick out a newer horror movie... I do something like You're Next, which is a personal favorite just of, you know, family getting tormented by guys in creepy masks and a stupid song playing in the background that you can't get out of your head for a month. Um, And then I try to come up with movies that stick with you. Um, I know it got really bad reviews. It had a stupid ending, but there was a movie called Yellow Brick Road where a group of friends are trying to investigate why a town went up a hill and just vanished. And that one had some of the greatest imagery, I want to say, included in it. And that was, you know, it stuck with me. It's something that, it's not deathly scary, but it's, if you're put in this situation, are you going to start eating your best friend's leg when she's laying there passed out? I hope not, but, you know, I have the obsession that I'm going to eat people when the zombie apocalypse comes, so... I'm not Apparently it's your too mom. far against it. <laughs> that was just the one that she was going to carve her up like a Thanksgiving roast. Um, all the appropriate for the time, I guess. Yeah. Just sitting around the fire and eating mom. Mom, yeah. <laughs> Love you, mom. <laughs> She's be mad again. She's always mad. We haven't had this joke in a while, actually. <laughs> happy to feed you during yeah. the apocalypse. <laughs> Did you have enough of my leg, son? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Getting a big Thanksgiving dinner, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that's part of the beauty of you guys. Exactly, you said the, the little things we find in the elements. Um, everyone has their favorite movie, but is there a particular? Now, actually, I think what I'm asking you guys, because I've been thinking about the art since we 
found out a couple of artists were doing it. What is it about horror that motivates you to draw it so often? Because, I mean, a lot of I mean, great example. You know, your Inktober was, well, obviously Hitchcock for one thing. Um, but what is it about bringing that back to life on paper that's so important to both of you? Um, either one can start. I guess first answer up. Um, <laughs> for me, I think it just never stopped, like, drawing as a kid. And, uh, yeah, just drawing to my sensibilities. Like, I, I love... I loved horror as a kid, like the scary stories to tell in the dark, everything, and Ooh, yeah, all the artwork with that. And then uh, drawing being like, you know, a part of who I am. As I got older, I just found myself. <laughs> there we go. That's what used to happen. Yeah. And look at those levels on the microphone spike. <laughs> Come on, Kiba. So there's your, uh, there's your terrifying moment at home, ladies and gentlemen, is the, uh, the spooky, spooky jump. beagle. They get angry. <laughs> So yes, enjoy exactly enjoy the jump scare. So we'll uh, we'll let Joe continue since Kiwa was so rudely interrupting um, him. Beagle, jeez. But yeah, yeah, drawing it now. Um, I just I enjoy storytelling, um, and I think that I, I bounce around a lot in styles when I when I do my art, and because I appreciate like the camp aspect and the pop aspect, but then also like the mood and actually. You should probably start now because I love the moves that you portray in your work, Phil. Oh, well, thank Segway. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, um, you know, it was something that I think when we grow up, you, you always, you know, as an artist, you kind of flow to what you like and what you want to do. Um, I'm definitely not drawing flowers and landscapes and things like that. It's just not what I do. You could just need a zombie in it. I, guess I could, and I did for my mom, but that's the only person I think I've ever drawn a <laughs> landscape for. But, um, you know, me being, like, into surrealism and and into the horror genre, I think it really comes down to trying to, like, you know, really invoke that fight-or-flight instinct in everybody. Um, it's said that we have three seconds to capture somebody's attention um, with any type of art. So you want to do something that automatically captures them, that makes them fearful or makes them want to run or makes them more interested in something. Um, and I try to, with my moods and stuff and, and the pieces, um, really depends on kind of where, what I'm trying to do. If it's all black and white, I can create things that, you know, fade and change and do those types of things where black and white is a timeless. It's neither past, present, or, you know, future. It can be all of them or it can be none of them. So, you know, really trying to get people to react to the piece. Um, I think that's that's one of the biggest things I see um, as sticking with the horror and the surrealism. Um, it's hard to do with landscape things like that really to get, invoke an emotion and I think invoking an emotion um, that's when I know I've done my job with with art so I think that's why you're good at picking out expression also like I, I noticed like a lot of the expressions that people have in your pieces are like very specific and I think that's why it reads so well thank you yeah thank hell you. yeah and we'll of course get you guys um where you can find Joe and Phil's work because it's important that you guys follow these guys because the work they put out is simply phenomenal. Um, but you make you bring up a good point about setting the mood and evoking an emotion. And obviously, every genre serves its purpose. But what is it about horror for you on a personal level? And this goes for obviously every group that 
because obviously by now we've seen countless upon countless horror films and and and, and only a handful probably like Dawn of the Dead still scares me maybe not as badly as the extra still gets filled um, but it definitely unsettles me in certain parts still to this day where I'm just like I can't I can't um, but what is it about this genre that continues to generate something inside for you that, that I mean, we keep coming back to it we keep watching these movies over and over and over again why what is this what is the draw for you personally um, I think it's just that that primal uh, emotion, like fear, but um, I guess it's it's safer to watch something and create something. Like creating it, you almost have control over it, and uh, I find myself like reading into like the symbolism behind you know certain scenes a lot more now because I, I create it. Um, and I appreciate it differently than just watching it for, you know, splatter or, you know, to get a jump scare. Um, but I'm still able to enjoy it. Like it's, it's not just like critiquing. So I it just, I don't know if does, if that makes sense. It does. It does. I mean, you're, you're still, it's still, you're still a fan, but you're also an expert in a roundabout sort of way by being able to draw it. So it helps you, I guess, summarize it. You're appreciating it more for what it does yeah. for you and yeah. for the audience as well. So, and that's that's a good answer. That is that makes total sense. To say at least, Phil. What about no, you? I, I mean, I think I think Joe hit it on the head. I think it is that that primal instinct of fear. I think, um, you know, the when when we watch anything, it's 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 kind of the escape reality for a little bit. I think. Um, to get away from the world um, when we know the world is so violent and, and things like that already. But if we can watch it, it's not real to us. Um, but we can still have that, that instinct of fear and, but still know that, all right, this, this killer is really not going to try to kill me. This isn't really going to try to happen. To me. So it's, it is control, but it's also, you know, kind of getting your heart going. I think that's that's one of those things, you know. It's, you know, you feel. I think it makes you feel alive in a way um, when you are afraid. Um, so I think that's one of the big things for for me is is you can feel alive if it's done well, um, like The Exorcist. Um, every time I watch it, I'm you know I I still jump, I still freak out a little bit, and but I feel alive. I'm like, okay, I'm. I'm naturally afraid. I'm not desensitized to this. It's still getting to me. So, so I think that's kind of one of the big things is just being able to feel alive. So, yeah, that's another top answer. I think you got a rebuttal. Go ahead. Oh yeah, with and with those types of films, like I, I appreciate being able to have those relatable characters, um, and I think that's what a lot of yeah, a lot of, I won't say most of, because there's a lot of nice gems out now, but uh, a lot of modern horror, like, misses, mm-hmm. is you can't relate to, you know, the, the characters as well, because they're, it's almost poking fun at itself with these caricatures of, you know, these archetypes or whatever. Um, and with the older stuff, it, it seemed, as we were talking about earlier, like, having a voice, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the either situations, um, not necessarily with like demons or like, you know, 
slashers or whatever, but uh, the people, at least, or like family dynamics, it was relatable. I think that's what made it strong. I mean, in, in relating to either, you know, the the victim or the or the killer. Yeah. You know, you kind of you could relate to at least one of those. I find myself relating more to like the killers lately, but you know, those that's just <laughs> you can kind. Of, it's not a sick thing or any, but it's you know. You but just, I guess have the character become that bad if you're like, well, right? And that, that I think that's annoying. kind of. Well, I kind of think that's, you know, you want to know more about the killers almost, like what turned them to that point. But, and I think that's what, you know, the first Halloween that Rob Zombie did, really did. He, he humanized Mike Myers in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, I I still terrify, he's still terrifying. He's still going to kill people, but you got to see kind of how he progressed to this, you know, complete psychopathic serial killer. A lot of people point that out as a weakness of that movie, but I I didn't think so. No, and I don't either. I think you have to do it right, because the opposite of that one, glaringly, was the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Um, Because what made made Freddy so powerful and so awesome to begin with was that he was just a force of nature. There was no remorse for this guy. He's like, oh, you got a kid? Cool, I'd like like to cut him up with my fingers, please. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas in here, he was, you know, a... I mean, they, they made him a special needs individual and you know, was it really his fault? And all these questions kind of start coming about like, you know, you, you're taking his power away now. I get that yeah. he wants revenge. That part's fine. We all know that, but you can't humanize Freddy Krueger. It was too, no. it was too much when you had that air of mystery about him, the first one. And it, it really played off that like urban legend. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you give too much, it could definitely hinder. Well, yeah. and, they, and they went to, I think, they pretty much tried to remake the first Friday, Nightmare on Elm Street with the, the remake. Well, that's yeah. So many different, the same scenes, everything. So they're re- basically, right, you know, trying to, you know, recapture that golden moment that Nightmare on Elm Street brought to us. And they tried to make him look too much exactly like what a burn victim would look like. Yeah, the they did. That is true. And I think Freddy had that. Yeah, he had that kind of look, but he was more monsterish, you know, in the in the the originals. Yeah, which gave that even more. Now, I mean, obviously, they started getting comical, more comical as they went on, but you know, it's still that Freddy Cougar that people are scared of. Well, and I think what was almost insulting for the remake too is, is to make him mentally slow, I guess, is perhaps the more PC term of it. Um, it almost says, oh, okay, well, because this person is like that, there is a hint of evil here. And that was just so out of left field right. for the movie. I'm like, yeah. where the hell did this come from? Right. Just um, mix that. Yeah. Yeah. They should have just made him, you know, a complete sick psychopath. Which because is Because that's really what he should have been. It, yeah. If they were going to do that, make him a sick, twisted psychopath that's not, you know, that's not showing something that's completely, you know, untrue, you know, just yeah. because he does have some developmental disabilities does not mean that he's going to be this pedophile, yeah. basically. Yeah. It was you very, know, so, yeah. um, yeah, just make him a, you know, born psychopath. There are evil great. people out there. Right. Like, what? Make, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, Scotty, what is it, what is it about horror that endures for you? 
Uh, well, Phil hit it right on the head. It's an extra feeling of making you feel alive. When your heart starts pumping because you're afraid of what could be coming towards you, even though it's on a TV screen, it's not going to hurt you. It, there's nothing that beats that feeling. That's mainly the reason I continue to watch these horror movies, because a lot of them can bring a little bit of that. Which is good, especially yeah. considering some of the... God, you've seen so many. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> some of the non-gems that I've gone through. I think, well, actually, I think uh, considering the, the disdain we just had for the Elm Street remake, I think it's time we talk about the... Uh, with all the good, there is the bad. What is the, uh, what's the worst <laughs> horror film you ever saw, Scotty? We'll start with you this time. We'll just go round robin. Oh my god, uh, what was it called? I think it was called Arkham Asylum, and then it had something in the subtext. And <laughs> This sounds vaguely familiar. Yes, um, it, it was doing really good. It was based off of uh, the Lovecraft Cthulhu church and that kind of thing. You know, everybody goes in for an investigation, then a Cthulhu starts chasing and killing people. That was all cool. And then at the end... It just went off the rails, and you have different chants that turns into songs, and Plato melting, and it's, it's, I don't know what the hell happened. I got so lost. Oh, <laughs> melting, okay. But, yeah. It, it, it turned off the rest of the movie for me, but up to that point, they were doing really, really, really good, and I was surprised. Cause was it filmed well? Kinda. For I mean, it was more... <laughs> It, it was it was like a ghost hunting expedition type piece. Gotcha. So you've got a lot of the handheld stuff, and which is really hit or miss these days, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. everybody wants to do it, and everybody has a cell phone that can do it. Cheap and yeah. easy. That's the key for some of these films. It really is. But I'd say that one probably has to be the worst. That or Plan 9 from Outer Space, because oh. I can't make it through that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried so many times. No, it's, that's... <laughs> That's one you either love or you outright hate. Yeah. And if you love it, you really love it. <laughs> if you hate it, you really hate it. So it's it's no in between with that was work. Um, unless you watch Ed Wood, that makes it all kind of. I, I, I tried watching Ed Wood beforehand, and then I tried watching Plan Nine from Outer Space afterwards, and I still can't get through it. So I'm going to guess hate. <laughs> it just doesn't make any yeah, sense. No, it's, it's very, it's, it's, <laughs> I have to have a story. It's line. Rough. That's if rough. I don't have a storyline. I can't do it. By you, Joe. That's the one that you just. You watch it and you're like, oh, come on. I have watched this movie one and a half times, and I watched it the half time because I couldn't believe how bad it was. It is the worst movie I've ever... Even as far as any genre, but it is a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so I bought this, like, 15-pack of horror movies from Walmart, like, a while ago. And every once in a while, I'll throw one on, and most of them are trash. This one, I think it's called Beneath the Ghost, or Ghost Beneath the Mississippi, maybe? It is, it's filmed terrible, the story doesn't make sense, um, the lighting, it's an extremely dark movie, like, and not purpose, they just didn't light anything properly. Hmm. The act is it directed by you, Bowl by chance? It's, I I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> I, would, I would watch any of his movies. Any of his movies, and I I almost want to look up like who did it just to see what happened. Well, we're gonna now, but it is. And I, I 
feel bad like talking so much shit on it, but <laughs> it I seriously felt like I wasted I would have yeah. It was it was really, really bad. And the the sound keeps going in and out of so the dialogue, you can't tell what's going on. There's no subtitles. Okay, that's pretty bad. Yeah, like everything that could have gone wrong with the film <laughs> looks like it went wrong with the film. Yeah. Now, now what's impressive about you talking about this is I've known you a couple couple years now, and you've always been the most even keel guy that I've ever known. Uh, I've and, never and heard until <laughs> this moment. Um, so now we know how bad this movie is because if you can take a chill guy like Joe Oliver and get him to drop an f bomb like that, <laughs> and, and, and this, this is where this is where the camera will come in handy to see the fury on his face. It's so bad. We know that it's bad. So okay, so under the ghosts, ghosts, ghosts is that it? Oh, maybe Scotty found. I think is I that think it? so. Can you hit your thing? Oh, oh, did it? Nice little search there. Can crew find Seek to understand. Yes. Oh, I believe, <laughs> I believe that I'm is it. <laughs> a two point six. Well, that's that generally what I. It's two point six stars okay. higher than it needs to be. <laughs> and that folks is bad. <laughs> Most of the time, those stars are way done. Yeah. 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 Way yeah. Once in a while, they're right, but you never know what you're going to get with an IMDb rating. What's the uh, What's the stinker for you, Phil? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, just Just start going. Yeah, round five. I think. Go. I think you know. I mean, there's so many B-movies that are bad, but I mean, I think going, if we're going to talk like, I guess, major motion pictures, <laughs> Jason in space, Jason takes Manhattan, <laughs> Jason, <laughs> Jason X, I mean, the sad thing is, is I actually sat and watched them, and that's the problem, is, you know, when it gets to a point where it's like, Oh, he's cryogenically frozen in space. We're taking. I'm like, okay, this is so bad now. He's he cannot be killed, and like he changes sizes in every movie because there's always different actors playing him. Yes, he and does. Like, that is true. Okay, this is getting out of hand. You know? did, they did like the holodeck kills in that one, right? Yeah. Where they, yeah. Yes, yeah. they did. They put him back on Crystal Lake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was one of the highlights, though. Yeah, that was that part of the movie. Yeah. Otherwise, so yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's just, you know, so those, like, you know, all, a lot of the new ones, you know, anything paranormal activity, um, I think after the, it's kind of like after the first one, it's like, we get it, okay, you're going to drag somebody down the hallway, all right, slam that door, okay, I'm, drop this, yeah. it's like, okay, we get it now. We, I wanted to like the rest of those so much. Yeah, I, but the, the plot never changed. <laughs> it yeah. really never did it. You know, and I think a, a great like parody to that was Haunted was Haunted House. I don't know. It has one of the Keenan brothers in it, the Wayans brothers. But they oh, like, it was a, they did a, a Haunted House. I think. A Haunted yeah. House just ripped it apart, <laughs> which I loved actually, just because I thought because the Paranormal Activity movies like thirty nine, where I think we're at now, it's like, <laughs> like five hundred and twelve. <laughs> um, so I mean, I think you know a lot of the stuff that's being released anymore is really not up to par to it's just just to get bodies in the seats and money that's yeah. that's really what it comes yeah. to it's not an art form anymore it's mm -hmm. you know you don't have you know you know like a pan's labyrinth which is beautifully done you know i loved pan's labyrinth um you know you just don't have that artistic value in a lot of these movies anymore. It's just the complete, it's either completely gory 
or the same scare tactics or things like that to the point where you can sit in a movie theater and know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh yeah, this is gonna happen. Yeah, this is gonna happen. Calling it this before. Yeah, you know, it just there's not that that anticipation anymore. That Hitchcockness, I guess, if that's even that's my new word. I think Hitchcockness. <laughs> Quite here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Hitchcockness. <laughs> so you know where you, where you don't know what's gonna happen, or they don't leave things up to the imagination, or they don't you know, really get into your head where you go home and kind of fear for things even more. You know? Do that a lot with Hitchcock films. You find yourself thinking about all the different twists and stuff that happened like long after, mm-hmm. you know, watching the film and you know everything that happened and you're, you're still thinking about those intricacies between people. Yeah, I mean, like with Psycho, when I was a kid and I saw that, you know, it's the whole shower scene, which is what everybody talks about with the Psycho movie, even though there was a lot more demented stuff in that movie. But that scene is what everybody talks about. And all you see is him do this three times. Yeah. And then you see her scream, and then you see blood going down the drain. Well, you never see her get killed. So when I was a kid, yeah. I'm like, she's getting ripped apart. Yeah. Like, she's getting stabbed in the face and, you know, all these things. Yeah, like, it freaked me out. Like, Seeing her feet, know, like, move back and forth in the bloody water. Was, it's just... Yeah. Yeah fucking scary and, and then, it was like the first half of the film right yeah it's it's, it's yeah it's, it was really, that's right super yeah, early in that it's, it's really quick you know and then you know seeing that he wears his mom's clothes and his mom <laughs> is in a rocking chair and she's dead and all these other things you're just like what is this you know so it's going down that hole. right you just keep going down the rabbit hole you know it's like it gets darker and darker and darker only because your mind is doing that not because he showed you anything about that. So, hell yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, which actually brings up another quote we'll get to in a second. But I've got to warn everyone first about a movie called Burial Ground. Also known as Zombie oh, yeah. 3. If you've ever seen this piece of crap, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> um, we got to finish it with that because of this piece. Because, oh, this thing. So, it's, it's a zombie movie. And that, that's all well and good. However... Um, couple big problems. Number one, zombies don't show up until way late in the film. Um, and even then, it's most people running around in a circle. and They're kind of there, but not there. But they're not the big problem. The big problem is the fact that this movie bothered to cast a 45-year-old little person to play a 13-year-old boy. Oh, um, no. Here's the problem with that inherently. Wow. They didn't do any work on this gentleman makeup-wise. So he's got, you know, the face of a 45-year-old. And the hair of a 45-year-old. Like, the nice gray hair coming in. <laughs> wow. And then to go ahead and add insult to injury, <coughs> he wants to bang his mom. There's really no other way around it. It's just he's, <laughs> he's hot for mom. And she's undressing. He's doing like the, oh my god, she's getting naked, and I love it. It is the weirdest damn thing I've ever seen in a horror film. I've watched a lot of weird horror films. A lot of Italian ones, which is, oddly enough, where this one originates from. Where they love their gore, and that's fine. Yeah, um, but... Yeah, if you ever see that on a shelf, or actually, it's, it's oddly enough, it's got a big cult following now, probably because of how bad it I was is. a 45-year-old child, um, <laughs> and how bad it is around the way. It's so bad that I want to actually watch that. Oh, now. right? Like I have to, it's like... It was so bad that I paced in front of the VCR, I'm like, Let, let's get on with it. Like, I'm sitting here watching the clock, and I'm like, please end. Um, I mean, yeah, the ending, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil that part, I can't spoil that part. Or did you find a picture of the, of the, the kid? Oh, oh my yeah. Yeah, see? <laughs> yep. Oh, dear. He God. probably has grandchildren. I'm not going to lie to you. That's amazing. He might, he might have been 60. I don't know. Could have been young 60. His, they should have got his 
grandchildren to play the part then. They probably should have, yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and make sure I put a picture of him back up. Um, <laughs> so everyone can see the horror of this because just awesome. you'll understand when you see it. Um, but you bring up a very good point, Phil, about the kind of the state of it. Because really, it, it's, it's good and it's bad. The good news is horror has never been more popular than it is now. Um, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, George Romero was not a household name. And now everybody knows who the guy is. Um, but there is a caveat with that, and we've seen some of the quality dip. Um, is there still, in your guys' opinion, considering how mainstream it's become, is there still room for good horror? Is there, is there going to hopefully be a renaissance of that, do you think? I think only like on the independent level, almost, anymore. Because I think big movie companies at this point are just putting out crap. You know, that's kind of where they're, they're just looking at bottom dollar. Whereas, you know, when... You know, in the 70s and the 80s where, you know, a lot of these classics really arose from, it was it was still big movie companies kind of going, okay, you can kind of have this one. You can mm-hmm. have this one. They weren't getting involved with it. They were just like, okay, we got to release this around Halloween or do whatever we need to do for this. And now it's, it's you know, the PG-13, let's, you know, scare the 13-year-old kids on their first dates type movies. Um, I think on the independent level, hopefully there is, hopefully they can get, and it's, and the thing with it is you don't have to have this huge budget almost, you know, like these multi-million dollar, you know, budget films, you know, to create a really good horror movie. Yeah. Um, it just takes somebody with really good vision and somebody, a good director, you know, the acting doesn't even have to be that great because when you really look at some of these movies that mm-hmm. are really still kind of considered classics, acting wasn't great, but the story was good. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was, the timing was right on everything they did, you know, kind of, you know, the scares and the and the slight comedy to kind of drop you down a little bit and then boom, they scare you again and your level goes up and then they bring that comedy back in. It's this wave that you ride. And so I think it, it's just going to take, you know, some young directors or older directors or whatever that step away from the, the big the- movie companies and create something that's worth really watching. Well, that's a good point, too, because there was a recent interview with George Romero who pointed out the fact that you couldn't get... He's got an idea to finish his, his dead saga, if you will, and he can't get a dime for it because it's not like The Walking Dead, and it's not like World War Z, which I thought was intriguing, too, because when I heard they were making it, I'm like, all right, I, I'm, I'm intrigued, because World War Z is one of the coolest zombie novels right. ever written. Yeah. Um, I was wondering how you are going to finish that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it was anything less, then you're going to hear a funny thump on the mic, and then we're just going to cut out and I'm going to get my ass kicked. Um, I don't know how you can find anything wrong with that novel. It's genius. Um, and the movie was just piece of shit. Yeah. Um, And I I try to find the positive in everything. I really do. Um, But it was an action flick is really what it was. Um, It was outbreak with, you know, with corpses. And, and, you know, I'm okay with, you know, if they're going to run, you better have a damn good reason. Like, Return to the Living Dead makes sense. Trioxin, they're going to push through the pain so they can get the brain. Um, But these were some pretty desiccatedly beat up corpses in World War Z. And they're jumping... Oh, they're flying. Like a two-year-old coming off the couch on a sugar high. Um, I mean, it is just <laughs> they, they, they seem amazing. They like locusts. The way yeah. they yes, move. Yeah, yes. They, they're just moving um, in packs. And it's unfortunate because, that, I mean, I was hoping to see the Battle of Yonkers. I want nothing more than to see that on the yeah. big screen. Um, there's art 
that's out there still, you know, for this type of thing. And and what I get is, I think the only thing that was probably close to the novel was the nukes when he's flying across when he's crying across cross continental, and the, mm-hmm. you see that mm-hmm. that mushroom cloud come up because I just think you recall a couple of countries just setting them off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, it was that's a big disappointment, to say the least. There, that's for sure. What's the the India story in the novel too, where people are like trying to get to the boats and the barges, and they don't oh, realize yeah. there's zombies like in the water. And so people are just, like, dropping. Yes. And that was really scary to think about, like, just getting pulled under. Right, when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they can survive in water because yeah. they don't have to breathe. Well, that was that whole, the whole book had that whole piece at the end um, where they're going right. underwater to find them to make sure that they're not going to overwhelm and become an issue. And, you know, I, I, maybe it's safe to say that World War Z was probably the last real intelligent mainstream horror that came out just because it still had plenty of social context and, and subtext to go with it, and after that, it was kind of here we go. Everything started hitting their hit their mainstream. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of The Walking Dead, and I appreciate it. But there are times too, I'm kind of like, well, uh, if I have any caveat that I guess I call it a downside to, is it almost kind of normalized the zombie, and that's and that's catch twenty two, yeah, and that's why they have to keep coming up with new twists. Is the zombies are a background effect to it? You know, The Walking Dead are the background now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the fear of them anymore. It's fear of humans. It's fear of other people. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's it's, it's good and it's bad. I mean, well, this season has been well because of the rise of Negan. But, um, Scotty, your thoughts on modern horror? Because you've watched, I mean, really, since you've literally watched The Cutting Edge on Amazon Prime, you've seen so much of both, both sides. There's a Cutting Edge on Amazon Prime? Um, I believe you went off on a bit of a tangent about it. So I'm going to let you go on that tangent now. Because why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't go off on a tangent about this. Just a little baby one. I'm not saying it was one of your traditional awesome rants. It was just, you know. Yeah. What's, what's cutting edge? Yeah. Well, it wasn't cutting edge, though. It was my same comment about everybody wanting to film a movie using their cell phone. Because yeah. there are plenty of movies on Amazon Prime that come up under my you know, recommended horror that are obviously shot by a handheld phone. <laughs> Uh, you can tell because there's no lighting, there's no the audio, everything is re-recorded. It's some of them are just awful, and I can't get into them, mm-hmm. which kind of is a shame because I've been through a lot of bad movies, and I you know just stick with them because they have a good storyline. If they don't have a good storyline, I can't I can't watch it. That's basically where I've turned what I've turned into. I'm a storyline snob. You can have the worst actors in the world. I don't care if it has a good story. We'll stick with it. I'll stick with it. I see nothing wrong with that. That's. Yeah. I wish more people were of that same opinion that we wouldn't have. Um, and I think people think people happening. think like you know, oh, if we're going to make any type of movie, we're going to make a horror movie because that's easy. It's and, and I think easy. that's where it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. You don't see any, you don't see people shooting like romantic comedies on their phone. <laughs> you know, Very nobody's true. really yeah. nobody's really making those. It's challenge accepted. Yeah. All right. No, I'm just no, 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 no. But I think that's that's it. It's that, that backfire. It's really, it's really going to take somebody really good to like come in and really change good horror movies. Mm-hmm. There's uh and there's a lot going on with um, like you were saying, indie movies. Mm-hmm. I just saw uh, the Eyes of My Mother. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's it's. Uh, oh, man, I I don't know the. Uh, director's name. I think it might be his first film. Um, shot black and white and 
it's really yeah, and okay. it's slow, and it's probably my one of my top horror movies for this year. Nice. Oh, I'm gonna have to check. Nicholas Pesky will be your director for it that. It is one. the writer and director, in fact. So is gorgeous uh-huh. and like very thick film noir esque like lighting. It is demented and awesome. And like yeah, the story is great. The acting is fantastic. Yeah, okay. black and white. Yeah, yeah no, it looks uh, the picture I'm seeing is pretty. It looks good. Okay, and it's rated. I mean, I know we talk about how the ratings can hit or miss, but um, it is a seven out of ten. So yeah, the first review I saw was outstanding. It was <laughs> it was really good. A lot of fun. Hmm. Something okay. new. And so there there are like some gems popping up, but yeah, the box office like yeah. they just want those asses and seats and so yeah well they do they do yeah and then the force remakes are you know, it's cheaper to buy the rights and throw 20 million at it and make 30 and give it to someone who like, happy loves you know can you imagine right, somebody yeah. who lo- would love uh or does love like friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street like because because all the, yeah because all those remakes that they've done of them are are horrible. Yeah. They like, really oh, are. I guess I want to do something different. It's like, you don't give a fuck. Like, right. <laughs> give it to someone who's yeah. passionate. <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. Who really, like, connects to the character. Yeah. Like, you know, Rob Zombie with the first Halloween movie he did. Mm-hmm. He really connected with that character. That yeah. was like, you know, and, and I always say one of my most I- iconic scenes that I think from that movie is, you know, Michael Myers being walked down by the orderlies in the hospital during in the hallway with mm-hmm. his hair hanging down and because yeah, that to me, like the original Michael Myers, you sit there sometimes, you're like, you know what? Yeah, I could take him. But you look at this Michael Myers and you're like, there is no way in hell I'm taking this guy. Like, I'm glad he, he's, he's not he's, doing anything right now. He's going he's gonna to kill me if he wants to or not. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things. But, you know, then the other movie got really bad. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we don't talk about Halloween 2, do we? No. <laughs> or anything after that, you know, Lords of Salem. Oh man, I, I want I oh, don't I love it so much. I wanted to too, but it was so bad. See, but you have a defender so of that film right over here because Scotty will love that movie. Lords of Salem. Lords of Salem. Yes. I I enjoyed how it played. Was it was it because of the story? It wasn't main. It wasn't all because of the story. I liked the actors in the movie. Oh, true and, that. And they 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 actually gave a down to earth kind of feel until uh, what's her face went off and became the. Which, whatever thing, riding the goat. And... <laughs> well, well, once again, zombie Rob Zombie movies get really freaking weird at the end, but that's okay. Yeah, it's kind of his style. But the story actually flowed better than I thought. Uh, what was his first one? House of a Thousand Corpses did, and that one still had a freaky ending at the end of it as well. But yeah, he likes, <clears throat> likes those twists. Yeah. But I enjoyed more of the character interaction in that movie than most of his. Yeah. But on the same token, he does some of the best villains in the industry. Because you don't... Why, well, why yeah, should you I mean, care about the I Devil's think... Rejects? Why, why should you care about Captain Spaulding? No offense. Right. <laughs> oh, wait, wait a second. I have a quick question uh-huh. about Captain Spaulding. Are you afraid of clowns, Joe? Um, or not Joe, Phil? Yes. Okay. I am. But he's the only one that I can actually look at. <laughs> no, seriously, like it's weird because. But you know what's funny is I get like when I when I was traveling to cons and things like that, I would actually get people to ask me if I changed my last name because of Captain Spaulding. And I said, you know what? 
Actually, he got it from, um, what's his name? Marks. Oh, God. It wasn't. He wore the big mustache. Groucho. Groucho Marks. It was a Groucho Marks character. Captain Spaulding was. Holy and so that's, where Rob, yeah, okay. so that's where Rob Zombie got Captain Spaulding. So the name Captain Spaulding. Oh, that so. works. I gotta look this up. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need more. Little, little Don't more. quote me on that, but I, I do think that's <laughs> I, where, I think that, that's that's where it came from. So. You're sticking to it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a good starting point if it's if it's by chance off a little bit, but that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Still better than a 45-year-old guy playing a 13-year-old kid. So <laughs> yeah. It's so weird that I'm actually going to watch that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Just to see this. It's like... Well, it, it, is, it is getting a brand new Blu-ray release, so now you can see it. Now you can see how old he really is in right. glorious 4K. Um, <laughs> it's probably actually a bad thing they're putting in high definition. because they're like, wow, this guy's way older than I remember being. Uh, TV horror, besides Walking Dead, are you guys mm-hmm. watching any any shows? You know, <sighs> I'll just say it. I'm not a fan of American Horror Story at all. Oh, no. I feel I'll like it's... fucking hop in that boat with thank you. you. Like, okay, good, because <laughs> a lot of folks are like, oh, but it's so good. I'm like, no, it really... It's the only thing I've Ryan Murphy's work that I ever enjoyed was um, American Crime Story, just because that OJ piece was phenomenal. Um, but not a fan of Glee. Thought it was too contrite and contrived. And then the same applies to American Horror Story. It, it's it tries to be scary, but it's like, hey, well, it's the same problem we've been talking about all day long. What do I got to do to get you in your seat and watch? Because here's a scary clown. Um, yeah. Oh, well, that's creepy. Well, you're right. It's creepy to a certain degree, but it's not scary. Um, and that's all we'll show. Of it because we've got a hundred more ideas that we yeah yeah we didn't mix and any I, of. Them. I keep seeing it on Facebook like oh now now we know how this ties into this. I'm like well, when are you going to bring it all together? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's cool that everything get canceled. <laughs> that would be so poetically awesome um, to see that happen. But there's that I definitely watch Ash versus Evil Dead. That is hell yeah magnificent. Um, a, a lot see, of and I, I I like the first episode of the first season of American Horror Story. Oh, I, yeah, I yeah. thought it was mm-hmm. different. I thought it was, you know, kind of different and new. And then they went off the deep end. It's just gimmicky. Yeah. Like, I mean, every, the whole, like, we got a special big star, like, Lady Gaga's going to be here. Like, that's cool. I don't care. Yeah. Scare the shit out of me. Yeah. Leave me uncomfortable. But how much can they do, like, in a TV series that's, like, and I think that's one of the things, too, is, like, when you start to actually see, like, really good, like, horror twisted type stuff. Um, it's on things that aren't main TV, mm-hmm. like the yeah those pay series. channels, right? Um, like my wife just got me into Black Mirror. Yeah, okay. yeah. hear yeah. a lot about this actually. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's serious. It kind of reminds me of like a Hitchcock Twilight Zone. Yep, mm-hmm. like all these yeah. things okay. wrapped into one, like Tales from the Crypt, and it's kind of like a new version of not a new version of those, but pulling from all those. Like and they give you a short, like, thick story, right? And mm-hmm. kind, of, and they're really twisted. Yeah, you know, like having like the, um, like prime minister have to like hump a pig on yep. national TV and stuff. It's, I mean, like really weird, weird stuff. And they build yeah. that tension. <laughs> yeah, and they <laughs> just try to process that image if it's not going well. So I think it's it's just based on that, you know, you know more freedom, I think, in, like, the Netflix and the paid channels mm-hmm. than it is on the the main networks. The main networks are still going to play it safe no matter... I'm not even sure. I mean, when you look at the big four, I don't think anybody's even putting horror on there at this point. I was going to say, like, Hannibal left, and 
I was yep. a huge yeah, advocate that for that show. Like, Loved it. That's probably the closest to horror, I think, mainstream, right. mm-hmm. big four network horror I've ever seen. And yeah, that was, it's trippy, but it was Lisa Start, for sure. And you're watching, you're watching all kinds of good things when it comes to horror Am on I TV. Now? Like you, <laughs> someone's all about some cam, uh, about some Channel Zero, that's for sure. Channel Zero, I love Channel Zero. freaking awesome. I was really impressed by how that story went through. And I just watched the finale last night. The whole, the whole teeth thing. Oh, man. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, I have so like... It just reaches in your like mouth. Teeth, and, yeah. Right, yeah. it's whole. Yeah. I just <laughs> love oh, it. Oh, like anything teeth is just... Oh, and it was a uh, fucking sci-fi channel? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It was not a left original. field. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, and they're going to do a new story, and I think... The uh, No End House? Yeah. And yeah, Lily that is going to be a part of it, so the daughter continues on. Hmm. So already they'd have more connective tissue than American Horror Stories have. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good deal. That's a piece of thing. <laughs> and well, they, did, they did slow really well, I just wanted to add. Like, I, I don't mind the slow builds and moods, but uh, yeah, Channel Zero hit it. Yeah, Channel Zero was awesome. Aftermath, I couldn't get into because the writing was so bad. But it had so much good imagery in the first episode. I wanted to love it. I felt like just watching the trailer and then reading your recap of it. That mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, like in the writers' room sitting down, going, "What's like the craziest shit we can put on TV?" And then everyone fires up rooms like, "Cool, we're gonna do all that." Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tom, write it. <laughs> and I'm guessing. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to it eventually, but I had too many other things coming up. That's okay. That happens. And then uh, Stand Against Evil, which you reminded me about at Rocky Mountain Con. It's that that is that next on my fun. list. I've been waiting for that for mm-hmm. so long, like listening to Dana Gould. Yeah, and like, yeah, it's I've got them saved up. <laughs> I got I got to hit it. They don't disappoint. I can <laughs> tell you that much. It's awesome. Which actually kind of bring you brought up a good point we haven't talked about yet. Um, because it, it's it's almost cycling back, and I don't, I don't know if it will yet or not. But because TNT obviously announced the revitalization of Tales from the Crypt with the always inconsistent uh, M Night back and forth. But what is everybody's thoughts on anthology horror? Because when it's good, it's really good. That's for sure. Oh, boy, I, knew, I knew I hit a sore spot with the M Night <laughs> fucking shams, man. What's that tweet? Yeah, and well, Robot and, Chicken got that so right. <laughs> and you. You reminded me of that the other week, that because he did, loves his fucking twists, mm-hmm. it might serve well in Tales from the Crypt. I just, growing up with that, like it's, yeah, I, I don't want him to fuck it up. Like, I, I love that series so much. Yeah. And if they throw, like, a stink on it and ruin, like, what it's supposed to be, like, that fun. Like, the same reason I love that is the same reason I love Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. Like, it just mm-hmm. encompasses, like, mm-hmm. it's for fans, you know? Yeah. Well, I, and my first concern is the fact that it's on TNT. We want to talk about the vanilla ising of horror, if you will, vanillaizing now thing, too. Um, that's the kind of place where it's going to happen. I mean, I mean, HBO wasn't a splatterhouse with these things. I mean, you've watched, you've been rewatching them for quite a while. I mean, it wasn't like, you know straight up, you know, Eli Roth, hostile type gore, but it was definitely, um, there were your moments of like, Ugh. and I wonder if TNT will be bold enough to even try to do a couple things like that. Because some of those episodes, like the one with Christopher Reeve, I mean, come on, they're eating people. Yeah, um, and it's, it's, it's playing, it can't be in fun. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but they show like the 
hanging slabs of exactly. Yeah. yeah, they showed the yeah. meatloaf that they served the meatloaf from. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think they might want to try, especially with how far Walking Dead has taken things. They mm-hmm. might want to try that because they saw that there was a huge audience for that. And with Tales from the Crypt, yeah, oh man, they can't. If they if they mess up any of it, even a little bit, the fans will turn on them quick because it it is going to be the main hardcore fans that love that series that will make or break that. It's yeah. not going to be new yeah. people. It's yeah. not going to be your new your new audience. It's going to be the fans that grew up watching Tales from the Crypt. And if they don't, you know, I've heard back and forth about well, they're going to do the Crypt Keeper. They're not going to do the Crypt Keeper. And if you don't do the Crypt Keeper, then you're done already. Yeah. You're, it's it's over. It's kind of like yeah, you're trying to redo the Twilight Zone without Rod Serling. You yeah, know, they brought it back twice, and it failed both times. <laughs> well, they tried twice. Rod Serling, and it just never worked. It just know, didn't work. Yeah, they just, you couldn't recapture that. It's one of my favorite pinballs, by the way. Twilight Zone. Nice. Yes. I mean, they, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, actually, I recall distinctly, wasn't it the, yeah, because you reca- reca- the Forrest Whitaker one tried to bring back the sequel with mm-hmm. yeah, Bill Murray. Right. There was, there was, the kid that they tried to release away. it in the 80s and then early 2000s. Well, in the 80s one had a couple of gems. Um, I distinctly recall, the, don't remember the title, but the nuclear bunker one. Um, the guy was obsessed with the end of the world. Nuke goes off. He and a friend are down there. They can't get out to anyone because conveniently, of course... The radio out has been destroyed, and it turns out that he's just living in a dome. It was an accident all along. Um, yeah. That was one of the better ones, but you're right. A lot of them were kind of meh. And I think, I can't remember if it was like in the 2000 or the, eight, the 80s one, but where the, everybody would gather around their TV, and then they would release a name and an address, and people would go chase them down and kill them for population control. Might have been both. Which, yeah. I, which I actually, I thought that was kind of interesting, but, um, but I, yeah, I'm a classic Twilight Zone. I can watch all of those. Those all there wasn't. I don't think it, season four was a little off, but all the other seasons were great. Well, and the irony of all these anthologies, especially the fact Tales from the Crypt got a green light, but Tales from the Dark Side did not. Because um, if anybody didn't know, Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, um, wrote four pilots that were released later by IDW Publishing for a comic series. But he did pitch those to um, to Netflix and several of the networks, including oddly enough TNT, and they said no to it. What? Which is weird because if you if you read those comics, they were they were the show. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe got it mm-hmm. perfect. And in fact, it almost almost like a prequel. Actually, like it explains the dark side. It explains how it exists. It explains how things travel. Um, right. But yeah, it, it never That's, it never made sounds like a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I mean, well, they just released the trade the trade collection of all four, hmm. um, which was good. I, as soon as I found out, I was put them on my wish list every month from Amazon and bought them up. Um, and they're brilliant. They really are. But yeah, that couldn't. That kind of quality couldn't make it, oddly enough. So yeah, nobody, even Netflix said no, which is weird because Netflix will buy anything. Yeah, um, they, Adam Sandler movies, for example. Oh, Speaking uh-huh. of horror, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. they, they did hit gold with Stranger Things, though. Yes, I mean, they yes, did. They, they hit did. gold with that one. You know, not. I mean, I guess you could. I mean, you could kind of put that in like the horror genre, though. You know, I mean, but it brought it back to with Stranger Things. It brought it back to the '80s style. You know, that, you know, exploring and, like, pulling from all these different, like, shows mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. like, putting it all into one. Yeah. 
and Which, encompassing all that yeah. stuff we love about that. And that's yeah. what it is. It's more nostalgic almost when you're watching it and you're like, oh, it brings you kind of back to that time a little bit. You're like, yes, this is, this is great. This is why I want to do this. I want to keep watching, mm-hmm. you know, Definitely. so I, well, I wanted them to push that a little more. Well, well, he's, well he's do his kind. Yeah. It is, it is yeah. coming out. That I'm, is not, I'm not nay saying. I just, yeah. Well, it's, well salt yeah. is not a bad thing. That's for sure. It has. It definitely has its moments. Um, but what was it, what's been an anthology for you that you always loved, Scotty? Uh, Tales from the Crypt. I guess. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> the one I, I I always go back to if I need fine. some kind of inspiration to try to get into a different type of storytelling or something like that. Because they're not all about blood and guts. I mean, there's a ton of suspense in there. And when I started rewatching them, this was, I don't know, probably two years ago, I was like, why is, what, what what's happening here? This isn't scary. And then you get that little twist at the end. It's like, oh, okay. Now I remember why I like this show. Because it wasn't all about making you jump out of your seat. It was making you think. And that's, unfortunately, that's something that's kind of gone the wayside of, Anything that hits the big box office yep. now, because totally agree. With I mean, that. you can't have your fans walking out questioning anything. It's all got to be explained to them, and that that says something yeah, about our society. And uh, yeah. don't and, use your brain. Yeah, and doing don't fun think. ideas. Like, can you imagine <coughs> trying to pitch like Nightmare on Elm Street today? Like, if it didn't exist, the remake didn't exist. And you went into like a studio and tried to pitch that idea. Oh. This guy's killing people in their dreams. It's like mm-hmm. next, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Star Wars comes in right after that. Yeah, well, they're like, let's make Transformers Seven. Come on, yeah, <laughs> more explosions. <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to trying to get people to open up to the the wilder ideas, or even doing like a silly idea, but taking a chance and knowing this person has enough vision to, to do it. Like one of my favorite tales from the crypt episodes is, uh, I believe it's called Corman's calamity it's and a comic artist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. he's taking yeah. these like pills to make him, uh, uh, so he's not shooting blanks, mm-hmm. um, like male enhancement or something, but it ends up, yeah. Making it so like all the pictures that he draws come to life and, this cop is investigating these weird, you know, murders and sees the correlation between the comics and what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's totally done like tongue in cheek, super camp. And it's a lot of fun and it's believable. And it, yeah, they weren't afraid to like do something different. Exactly. No, and that, that's something that shows, I, it, it's what American horror story tried to do. And the one thing that I can applaud that series for doing is just doing their one story a season. And this was an idea I've had for ages about, you know, run your story till the end, make it a season, make it two seasons, cut it from there, bring in just a new story. You can keep the cast. Um, There was a show on ABC years ago that took place on an island where there were murders being, murders happening on the island, a couple was about to get married, and spoiler alert, it was the male fiancé that was killing everybody. Is it Harper's? Harper's Island. Yeah. That's the one. That was a great series. I wanted to see that cast come back and do something else. 
And that's kind of what sparked that idea. And I think that's what American Horror Story is trying to do with their kind of stories. But now they're trying to be like in the Stephen King element where everything that I've ever done ties together at the end. And that's not what it mm-hmm. should be trying to do. Throwing some music in between. Oh, God. <laughs> but in, in, in everything anymore, there's no end point. So yeah. when people are like, when they're doing movies now, they're not even thinking of ending that movie. Mm-hmm. They're thinking of the sequel already. Yep. Yeah. Where there's nothing that's yes, like solid where it's like from beginning to finish, you're just like, yes, thank you. This mm-hmm. was a great movie. You know, and I go back and, you know, I know a bunch of people argue with me, but Back to the Future. They didn't even have to do the next two movies. It ended with a good... Yeah, that's a very good point, yeah. yeah. They didn't was have it? to, but they did say, okay, you know what? You know, they could have left it with them going off, going back to the future with, you know, Doc Brown. And yep. you would have just been like, I wonder what they're doing. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And it leaves it, it up. To it them. leaves it up to the imagination. Yeah. Um, so they didn't have to do those other movies. But now every single movie, it seems like, that comes out, that has that little twist at the end where you're like, crap. Now I gotta wait. Continue. Right now I gotta mm-hmm. wait for the you know part two to come out, and then everybody wants to do like eight movies to something now, and it's like this is getting old. Just give me one good, really good movie that's solid that I can walk out of that theater going, you know what, that was great, and not have to like think oh, I gotta wait another year or two before the next mm-hmm. movie comes out. That's what I wanted with the Ring, the the remake, which I mm-hmm. loved. I, I wish they hadn't done any more. Yeah. And that's what happens a yeah. lot of times. Mm-hmm. Is they come back with the sequel and then it screws it all up. Everything kind of drops off from there. You get rid of that mystery and you're no longer thinking about, you know, what these characters, like, might be going through. Like, you already mm-hmm. know and, yeah. Yeah. Well, sequelitis, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter what genre anymore. It's, it's, it's the thing. Right. Tent poles and... Guaranteed revenue. Needed all along the way, so. Um, I guess. Yeah, we've talked about quite a while, so we're good. It's a good show. Um, I guess to wrap it up, ideally, what do you guys want to see from the future of horror at this point? Where do you want to see it go? Because it's, I mean, again, it's in a great place. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's everywhere we turn. I mean, you know, hour and a half from now, Walking Dead's hitting TV again for Sunday night. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool that you can sit down and know that everybody's watching the zombie show, but what do you guys specifically want to see change in the genre for the next five years, say? Uh, I think just going back to having that one solid kind of movie, you know, that really captures my, my attention, not knowing what's going to happen at the end, not knowing, being able to pick everything out, um, and really just... You know, being a really good movie that that really it kind of attacks my fight or flight instinct. Um, where I walk out of there thinking, okay, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? Mm-hmm. Giving me to think, use my mind again. You know, not just sit there for two hours and just be numb. You know, I want to see, and if it's you know an indie film or a big budget, I don't care. I just want something to come out that's solid. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, something, something solid and something passionate. Um, I'd like, I, I think because horror is like so widely accepted now, um, 
I'm hoping that that will give like it'll that that's paved the way for people with the, the vision and the passion. And I know a lot more people like looking at my uh, horror stuff now that it's like widely accepted. Mm-hmm. So you're really hoping it, like for what the movies that we grew up with did for us. You're hoping it's going to hit the next wave here. Yeah, that definitely. actually would be phenomenal. Yes, and to see some. Some new new twist on stuff. Like I, I really like the resurgence of this like a new take on an old uh like style. Like people that are doing like more like the giallo type stuff with like the weird I don't know, synthetic looking colors um of like the Italian films. Mm-hmm. Um I like the Maniac remake with Elijah Wood. And the synth score was perfect. I, I like it was a lot cleaner. So I, I like the new take on like the old stuff when they understand what they're doing. Now we're the big wheeze. That's good. <laughs> the big wheeze. Get a couple of teeth removed, and all of a sudden, yeah, just something new. Yeah, not remade. Fair enough, Scotty. What about you? Something original. Um, I, you, you've got to have something new that comes into this genre. But you can't keep remaking Freddy and Jason and all these other ones. I mean, one of the movies that really caught my eye this year was We Are Still Here. It's a throwback to the 80s. It was good. But still, that doesn't have enough to make me think that the genre is going to be able to come back and resurge the way it needs to. Because you're not going to have a big budget movie studio do anything or at least put out the money for was, you know, uh, 5 million bucks, 10 million bucks to make the new movie. That was a ghost story of the gal from Reanimator. Yeah, Barbara Crampton was in that. Barbara Crampton, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, bring up another good point that we can, we can kind of follow up with there, too. Do you guys think that the renaissance that we're experiencing is coming close to a close, considering we've, we've, we've all identified that not a pretty big problem with the genre as a whole is that it has become mainstream enough that it's popcorn now. Um, you know, Poltergeist is a great example of that because I clocked a few minutes of that remake the other mm-hmm. day and I was like, oh, well, this is like every other damn thing I've ever seen. Um, whereas the first Poltergeist was Sense of Wonder again. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and even, you know, as much as I love The Walking Dead, you know, it, it dominates and everything has its shelf life, unfortunately. Even um, that's gotten away from itself. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it has. I right. still love the comics and the feeling of, like, dread I get from the comics. Um, I it's a... Yeah. It's... Beagle knows. A very different uh, feeling when I watch the show. Like, it does feel like I'm, I'm not uh, connecting with the characters. I like some characters. I don't like others, but I don't feel like I'm connected with them. It's this very separate entity. And when I'm reading the comics, the characters feel... Like, you can identify with their motivations, like all of them, um, even if you don't like them. And the show, especially doing their fucking, like, season finale, like, come back next time. Oh, like, all those cliffhangers oh, are just killing yeah. and it's, fan just, bases. Yeah. That's another, that's a new thing. That's for TV in general, though. I, mean, it's, I feel like Battlestar Galactica started that, and everyone was like, oh my god, we all gotta do this. Because <laughs> um, it wasn't until Battlestar came out that you had the mid-season finale. Um, and that's so everywhere. No, the mid-season finale is here. Like, okay, cool. Um, 
But yeah, do you guys think that it's possible that we're we're about to see a, a, a burst of the bubble? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I think you know, traveling this year, just seeing um, shows um, kind of in the decline for artists and vendors and people like that in these shows is what happened was all these shows started popping up everywhere, you know, comic cons, horror cons, all these things. And it's the market's oversaturated. I think at a lot of places you got movies coming out. And I think sometimes that bubble needs to burst for that, you know, genre or whatever to kind of rebuild itself, um, to come out with those new ideas, to come back and think, all right, how do we recapture people's attention again? Because obviously what we did is we just stuck to all the same crap and look at where it got us. And the ones that are just wanting to do that will move on to whatever's new. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the guys that give a shit will still do that. And and that's the thing is like horror fans are diehard fans no matter where you go. Um, And I think, you know, this bubble will eventually burst but all those fans are still going to be there going, all right, what are you going to give to us now? Mm-hmm. Bring something good. Um, and I think it, it's almost needed, you know, kind of get rid of this PG-13, you know, crap that's been being put in theaters and start giving us, you know, what we actually want to see. You know, I mean, the one thing that I, I lament for The Walking Dead over all things is it amazes me to this day um, that they will show whatever part of the human body and expose it to air and screen that they can but they won't let Negan say fuck. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's his thing. I mean, I mean it's, yeah. it's working out well so far, but I'm like, really, we're going to work. You guys had a walker last season, yeah. and his skin came off, but we can't have Negan drop an F-bomb. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, so, you know, or, you know or we'll, see, we'll see the gut spill. We'll see everything you possibly can think of. Faces get torn off like they did uh, season five. Um, you name it, they'll do it. But you can't say the F-bomb. No, no. Big no. Um, that's weird. Yeah, it is. It is but it, well, they're doing alternate takes on the Blu-rays, and that's cool. But how much cool would we see it on TV to settle in? You know, the seven o'clock fire. Here comes the F bomb in all its glory. Um, <laughs> oh well. Um, Scott, what do you think about the bubble bursting? Yeah, your name. I think it needs to. Um, the crap that the big studios are putting out. I mean, it's just not. It's not horror. It's not what we need. And you know, thank God for places like Netflix to get some of these movies put on. Amazon Prime is putting everything on. Hulu is putting everything on. I mean, it's... Excuse me. It's these people that have been working behind the scenes in the horror industry, making their movies, telling their stories the way they wanted to tell them, that's made this genre so big, and thank God for Internet for bringing it to the masses. But there's not going to be a big studio that's going to say, okay, well, this... This is the movie, well, let me just back up here a bit. The Witch should not have been publicized the way that it was for theaters. Because it was not a freaking horror movie. It was, what's the best way of saying this? Um, It was basically a religious telling of how to be a good Christian. And don't have a black goat. Because black goats are nasty. Exactly. Goats have come up several times. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I, I love that movie. I, I love that movie. And I'm glad I didn't see the hype until after I'd seen it. Mm-hmm. Good. And I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, 
scariest movie of the year. I'm like, they shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, it wasn't. Yeah, no, right. just go watch it. And like, not knowing that it was supposed to be like this scary, it made it very tense and mm-hmm. like, yeah. Well, um, then, but then it, at the end of that, though, you start to you see where they pulled all of this from. You know, they yeah. start. You know about the Grimm brothers and Hans Christian and, and all those guys. You know that they started pulling all from. And mm-hmm. It's like okay. See, I'm 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 one that didn't like it, but uh, that's. I don't See, know. I, didn't I like think it I because just, of the hype. And that's and that that might be it. It, it might be because like with me and goats, like obviously that's my nickname is goat. So like me and goats are just like we're. we're Bound together, and so when I saw when I saw a goat jumping on his back legs in the commercial, I'm like, "Oh hell yeah, we're going to see this!" I don't care. I'm like, "Did you see that? That's amazing!" So, and then I got done. I'm like, "Son of a bitch!" I'm like, "I just paid all that money to watch like a goat in like two minutes of the whole damn movie," mm-hmm. you know. So it's, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. We need more goats. <laughs> Somebody out there is listening. Right, fill a goat movie and make it scary. Yes, yeah. make it damn scary. Make, him, make the goat evil. Come on, eviler than that goat. Oh, Black Phillip was good. Yeah, but he wasn't like I want him to like be like. Yeah, I want him to like, like <laughs> sacrifice people instead of people sacrificing goats. Let's see a goat sacrifice a person. Okay, so we need the extras be black sheep. There we go. The that would be awesome. They just put a goat in instead. Oh, nice. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. there you go. I hadn't thought about that movie. Good, <laughs> good hybrids right there to say the least. That's going to work. Um, so, gentlemen, hey, thank you both for joining us today. First and no, foremost, thank you for having us. Yeah, a blast you. of a conversation. Um, where can everyone find you guys on the interwebs so that we can get you guys, that people can see the incredible art that you put out? Um, I have a website in the works, but I do have uh, Facebook. Pages, um, the art of Joe Oliver and Joe Oliver Arts. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of going back to just just my website, and that's surrealthoughts.com. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram too, uh, Phil Spalding Art, and uh, kind of check out. Kind of going a new route right now, so make sure to to kind of stay tuned. I'm bringing some really dark stuff here pretty soon. So, ooh, yeah, we're. Hell yeah. That's a hell of a tease. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to that. So yes, keep an eye on Instagram. Yeah, yes. It's going to be good stuff. I just Find got Joe one. on Instagram too. Joe Oliver Oates. Is there? Okay. There we go. Good, because Instagram's new and terrifying to me because I haven't gotten one until recently. <laughs> I only got it because mine's one under, so. My daughter made me. How do we that? Oh, there you go. <laughs> that looks like, yeah. I guess I need to take more pictures. I'm horrible at social media, but, but I try. That's all right. We all, yeah. we all do. That's for sure, so. Well, thank you all for listening. We start uh, see schedule wise for us here. Um, this will probably be the last show for a while again. I know we've been keeping the gaps going, but give it time. We're getting the get the band back together. Might have these gentlemen back again. Talk some more horror because I think we got some. There's some stuff coming up next year. We should probably talk about like Dark Tower and all yeah. those goodies. So yeah, some things to look yeah, forward to anytime. next next year. Anytime. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be broadcasting a little regularly. So until then, everybody have fun and keep geeking out. Until next time.